Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 54 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. There's a lot going on in the acquisition community right now. New leadership, new things happening at the agencies that do acquisition. Uh, and especially at some of the individual agencies that are doing things that either they've never done before or haven't done very much of before. And we're very fortunate to have an expert to help us understand a lot of it today. Yeah, you and I have talked about all the stuff that's going on, so I'm glad we get get a chance to dive in on the procurement front. Roger Waldron is the president of the Coalition for Government Procurement, and he is also the host of Off the Shelf on the Federal News Network. It's great to see you, my friend. Francis, it's great to be here. Thanks for coming. Um, There is a trend that I wanted to start with. And I think it's really encouraging, and I think it's really interesting. And that is the trend of agencies to get away as much as possible, it seems, from doing their own procurements and starting to use vehicles that already exist. The most recent one is the Department of Homeland Security saying, we're not going to do a next round of Eagle 2. We're going to go through, for a lot of the things, we're going to go through the schedules programs. GSA, in some cases, we'll use some NITAC, we'll use uh, some NASA soup, and so on. What do you think the message is there, if any, about the broader use of that type of contracting across government? Well, I think agencies are searching for efficiencies. Mm-hmm. And I think finally sort of the message is getting out there again um, that these that contract vehicles like the schedules, the ITG wax, those sort of things provide a platform of already competed contracts. And that gives you an agency the opportunity to focus on its specific requirements instead of having to worry about all that other extraneous stuff. The other agencies have done that for you. Um, and you're seeing some of that as a result of category management. Mm-hmm. I must say the this the previous administration and this administration's focus on you know category management and good decision making on whether you're going to create a new contract or use a pre-existing contract vehicle. That started with Dan Gordon, um, and it's it's still a big push today. Emily Murphy at GSA in particular is focusing a lot on that. So that's a big. A big part of it. And I also think just historically looking at things, now we're, I think it's 2013, interagency contracts came off GAO's high risk list. Mm-hmm. So we're talking six years later, that's a lifetime uh-huh. in, government <laughs> pre- procure- in government procurement. Um, so, you know, so we've moved on to the next sort of next phase, right? Um, There are a lot of corrective measures that were taken from a management perspective at GSA, at OMB, um, you know, Dan Gordon. In fact, when he was at at OMB, had a huge impact on that. Um, So so we're in a different time and place, and agencies are truly looking for um, better solutions. And I think those those servicing agencies who provide support, whether it's DLA or GSA, are doing a better job at understanding their customer requirements 
and creating that bridge between government and industry. I'm not suggesting that you have any insider knowledge. This really is an innocent question. No, but don't, I, I never have that. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think the underlying message when somebody like Soraya Correa at DHS says we're going to do this, don't you think the underlying message to the other agencies is or maybe should be you should get on board too. There's no reason for you to not do the same thing. If this works for an agency as complex and complicated as DHS, this should also work for an agency that's not as complicated and not as complex. Yeah, it's an example of leadership and in, in identifying, you know, a more effective way to go go to market and that that sort of builds upon itself, right? And you get other agencies, uh, other customers looking to those vehicles. Hey, if it is good for DHS or if it's good for DOD, who's going to do their DO procurement uh, for cloud capability, uh, software as a service off GSA schedules, hey, maybe I should look there as well. And that just builds on the program and makes it a more and more effective and competitive market. One of the things Francis and I talked about is the waning months of this, this administration's first term. Um, and what can get done. Uh, this is a, an era in which I think there are a lot more things that seem possible that otherwise wouldn't have been possible. Predict for us, if you will, what kind of reforms we can see this year or next that would impact uh, federal procurement. Well, I'm going to go close to home. Robert, I'm going to go close to home on that is, is GSA. Um, and this GSA is in the midst of a couple major things. Um, Section 846 is the e-commerce provision, and they're working through that. Um, and where that goes in terms of creating uh, e-commerce platforms that government customers can access. But I think, you know, just as important, in fact, probably much more important, is schedules modernization. And that's a holistic view of the schedules program GSA has undertaken. It's a big task, but they're looking at creating con- consolidated schedule. They plan on having that I- infrastructure in place by the end of this uh, f- fiscal year and start taking offers on a single schedule. Right now there's, I think, 21 or 22 schedules, somewhere around there. When I worked at GSA, there were 50 schedules. You know, And, and in, the, in, in the early 80s, there, there were even more than that. And now they're trying to get to one schedule to better reflect the commercial marketplace and provide complete solutions across uh, commercial platforms because um, people don't people buy solutions now. They're trying to create a solution, and also I think investments in their systems. Um, they make need to make you know significant investments in their their targeting them in GSA Advantage. There are a lot electronic tools that connect government buyers with um, with industry and industry partners. That could be a game changer. GSA actually, over the last two years, have seen reports come out. The coalition has actually done one of the reports looking at pricing on private commercial e-commerce platforms versus GSA schedule pricing. And GSA schedule pricing has been significantly uh, lower than what's out there commercially. So they've they're doing a pretty good job on their contracting. They need to improve the flexibility of the contracts. That's a whole modernization effort, creating one schedule. And they also need to fundamentally improve their systems and the ability for customers to connect with contractors. GSA is taking on a lot, you just yes. described. But they're also in the midst of a merger with the Office of Personnel Management. Do you, does it concern you at all that GSA may be taking on too much? Um, well, you can boil the ocean, right? Uh, or you can't. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. 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 You can try. Right. right. So, yeah. um, 
Global warming, Joe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't think they're taking on too much. I think the, the OPM uh, merger is really, uh, as I understand it, sort of some of the back-end systems and that sort of thing, um, which I think they can handle. Um, but it is a fair question to ask, you know, what are, what are they prioritizing? So, and I'll give you a real-life example. When they talk about schedules modernization, they talk about 33 different projects that they have ongoing. So what are those projects? They need to, you know, I think it would be fair to share those with uh, their industry partners, with their government customers. And which ones, you know, are you going to do first? You, you know, you've got to prioritize those and create, you know, um, a framework, create – an infrastructure, you know, targeting what's essential first to get the other things done. When you say there used to be a ton, 50-some schedules, I think you said, and now they've got it down to 30 and they want to get to one, that in itself strikes me as a really momentous undertaking yes, that would block out a whole bunch of other things that they want to try to accomplish. And they do want to try to accomplish a lot. It is a moment. It is a... I can't even say momentous. Momentous. It is a big effort. Yeah, uh-huh. it's going to take to to really get done. It's gonna, they can get the infrastructure in place, but then it's it will take a number of years because you have new offers. For example, they can get to one, but companies who have multiple schedules mm-hmm. are going to have to try to consolidate down to one. That's their goal, and how and that's going to take time. Um, and they've got a lot of sticky issues left to deal with. Like you know, they have different providers who have different rates for you know for a program manager on different schedules they're justified like for professional services schedule versus the IT schedule but you know how are they going to reconcile those things so there's all kinds of issues that are that are are pretty complicated to deal with their goal to have the infrastructure so that's you know I think it's starting April, uh, October 1st you they'll no more new offers that are under just the traditional schedules, and they're going to have this period um, where they move to you can sit them, submit an offer for the single schedule. So the first thing they're doing is trying to ad- address the different clauses and contract language that's inconsistent across the schedule. So, and then they have to deal with um, you know transactional data reporting. That's a big issue versus their traditional price reduction clause. Um, you know, I think it's a perfect opportunity to eliminate the price reduction clause finally and forever. Uh, I'm not sure everybody agrees with you, but okay. Well, see, this is the thing, Francis, that I've tried, I've started asking this question and it really is just a basic, so almost an antitrust question. So is it, you know, this administration's policy that as a condition of having a government contract, you're going to, uh, agree to a clause that restricts your ability to complete compete in the private sector, in the private marketplace. That's what the price reduction clause does. It's In many ways, it's almost antitrust-like, restricting the ability to compete in the marketplace. Um, I don't think that's good procurement policy, and it certainly is not good economic policy. Um, so, And you know, with this con- reform, that's something that should definitely be looked at. The transactional data piece goes to you know, data in and of itself, which is, I think, the big uh, focus of everybody these days, whether it's private or um, or in the government, and trying to make sense of the data uh, and try to figure out how to how to use the data to improve to affect efficiencies in the procurement system, leverage requirements, and that sort of thing. 
I think there's opportunities there as well, um, not just in the GSA world, but just generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I think there's going to be a big fight over data, uh, and and that suppliers, for example, in their in their data and their transactional data versus platforms and the ability of platforms to use that data for their own competitive purposes. Like if you look at Section 846, there's a prohibition on that, Mm -hmm. Uh, on commercial platforms using supplier, third-party supplier data for their own competitive purposes. That, I think, that kind of issue is going to be a big focus, the role of data in the marketplace, how it impacts competition, and how you ensure, you know, uh, that you have a level playing field for all companies. So all, all of what we've talked about amounts to a massive modernization of the government's acquisition system. And the acquisition workforce has traditionally not been really well equipped, equipped to administer the system that was in, that's in place today. What, what can you tell us about what's being done to make sure we have the people we need to manage this new day in procurement? Robert, that's a great question, and I think um, there's not to your to your point. There's not a lot of talk about the acquisition workforce right now, at least on the Hill. You know, there used to be a, a sort of bipartisan focus on. You don't hear a lot of conversation about that right now, and investments in the acquisition workforce. Um, that being said, I think we've gone from a period in the late '90s with acquisition streamlining. Um, there was a reductions in acquisition workforce, and we spent the last, you know, and then after 9-11 and then Iraq, uh, you know, there's been a ramping up of the acquisition workforce. Um, is it, you know, there's so resources were, that was identified as an, a shortcoming in area. I still think it's an area where additional resources need to be focused, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about it right now. So, you know, that's something that I think, uh, thought leaders across the board, whether you're in government or outside of government, needs to like shine the light again on the acquisition workforce. I mean, I think part of the, part of it is you will see as streamlining and reform in this era era will again look to like we need less people. We, we want to get to go where we need less people to do the same amount or more work, but you still need well well trained, sophisticated savvy business savvy acquisition professionals to lead um, to make good business decisions on behalf of the taxpayer and behalf of uh, uh, agency mission um, that will never go away and um, I think it probably is time to focus more on that I think you know the it, that's one area where you don't hear a lot of conversation I think right now Roger Waldron, the president of the Coalition for Government Procurements. Great to have you on FedHeads. And a plug again for Off the Shelf, which is a terrific show that you host on the Federal News Network. I love it. Well, the problem that I had when I worked there, whenever I would promote it on the air, is I kept wanting to say Off the Hook. I don't know why. God, the show is Off the Hook, man. It's a great show. Let All me right. tell you, okay? Well, that explains that. That's right. Robert's great to see you as always, my friend. Great to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the FedHeads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.